Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gondas Malka. Welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today is the Ambassador of Austria to South Africa, Kromana Kunigsbrunn, who is also credited to the following countries in the region Angola, Botswana, Iswatini, Lesotho, Madagascar, Mauritius. Mozambique, Namibia, and Zimbabwe. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amalia. It's, it's a great honor for me to be on this wonderful program focusing on women. And I think this is so important. So I'm really happy that we could have this, this chat today. We're happy to host you in this series where we do on an annual basis of engaging with women ambassadors and high commissioners from different countries that are represented in South Africa. To start with, when I think of Austria, I have this kind of eclectic mix in my mind of, of game changes that challenge the status quo of what's possible from Mozart with classical music to Red Bull, which really goes beyond energy drinks and extreme endurance to Lipizzaners and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. So you are a home to a, a wealth and, and bounty of, um, of trailblazers. Ambassador, your experience in the foreign service has taken you to Kenya, Indonesia, Turkey, and now sees you taking on a large portfolio of 10 countries in Africa. Can you share a couple of landmarks that have been important in your career? Yes, of course. Um, I think whenever I look back on, on, I think the first posting is always special in, in the career of a diplomat in many ways. And my first posting was in Africa, it was in Kenya with my family and it was wonderful. I was deputy head of mission. I still had to learn a lot. It was my first posting. And it was, uh, we, we were chairing European Union meetings at that time with the Austrian EU presidency. And it's a, it's a steep learning curve. And I must say at that time, I had a very good boss. He was a man, but I must say I learned a lot. And I think even for women at the beginning of the career, it's always good to have good mentors, good people that are your your bosses and I still have a, a good memory and I think this helped me a lot also in my career to grow. And in Indonesia, this was my, my second posting. Uh, we had to organize a state visit by our federal president, which was, was very exciting. And it coincided with the visit of the US president Obama to Indonesia. So can you imagine it was, <laughs> it was really challenging, but wonderful. And we were very happy we could do that. And maybe one more thing as a landmark, when I returned from my postings abroad, I had the chance, the opportunity to become Director of Human Resources in the Austrian Foreign Ministry. And for me, this was, I was a bit overwhelmed first. I thought, can I do that? I had not been ambassador before. I think I was the first one to do this job who had, I had some leading positions, but I had not been posted as an ambassador. So as women sometimes do, I thought, can I do this? <laughs> but I, I think, it was a wonderful experience for me. I had a wonderful team. It's one of our biggest departments in, in our ministry because of the rotation, because of recruitment. So you have to do a lot with with the young colleagues coming in. You do the, the selection, you do the training, you do the posting. So it's it's something which also taught me a lot about um, how you should also support young women, young uh, colleagues that, that, that join us and how important it is. That's why... To come back to humanity, I think it's 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 something which which opened my eyes to the to the subject matter even more. 
True. And with that type of role, you're engaging with everybody in the department. And I have to ask you, because you you raised this, the kind of fear of going forwards into doing something that's unknown. And we often hear that that is one of the reasons that women don't put up their hands. What was it that made you go for it? That's why I mentioned, I think, before uh, my first boss also. And I think, in a way, we should not be shy because we are in a, we are in a world that's still um, dominated by, by many leadership positions in many in many areas, maybe not in all, but in many. So if there's a, a good leader, a good boss, somebody who trusts you or is a committee that think, even if it's more men there than women, they say, this is the person who can do it because then you should not... I think we have this instinct, I think very often because of maybe the way we were brought up to be modest, to go one step back. And I think it's, it's something we really have to also pass on to the, to the next generation of, of women and young girls coming that we need to also take this opportunity and see, thank you. Yes, I can do that. Even if there's a lot of things I have to learn, we always have to learn. I was actually deputy in that department before. And so it was something which came very natural to me. And in the end, I think it was, it was for, I, I had good feedback. So I think it was a job well done. And, and to make this one step, we should also trust people who tell us, yes, we think you can do it and then just take it on. And then usually it's, it's, it's something that enriches our lives. And we do, I think yes. many women will do a very good job, even if they first think, they should learn more. Men don't have this approach. <laughs> they don't usually think they have to learn more. They think, I can do this. And I think a little bit of that we, we need to instill in our in the next generation that makes it easier for them, I think. I agree with you. Having the that personal ambition and getting over yourself, believing in yourself, but also, as you said, having champions around you that believe in your capabilities to, to push you ahead. Ambassador... So Kenya was your first posting. You now represent Austria across 10 different African nations. Can you tell us about some of the objectives that you want to achieve during your tenure? Uh, thank you. Yes, I think it's very important that we um, that our relationship in terms of Austria with Southern Africa should be strengthened. Because uh, as you see by the big number of countries I'm responsible for, Overall, in sub-Saharan Africa, Austria has currently only five embassies. So most of my colleagues have a similar, maybe mine is a little bigger, but that we all have a, a huge um, area of responsibility. So I think that makes it even more important that we need to engage more because I think there's good relations, cordial relations with, with, with many of, of the countries in the region, especially South Africa, because we have strong economic ties with the RISADEC, so with the regional organization, we have also um, energy projects and other issues that we, we, we support and we work together on. But what is missing a bit, I think, is this personal contact, which maybe I'm always going for this personal contact where I'm coming from. But I think also in politics, we see it's important that our leaders meet. I think it's important that we exchange that that South African or from Southern African countries, these the, the, the ministers, important institutions and their representatives to Austria and the other way around. It could happen also via online media and so on. It's also important. But I think to meet and to discuss, we just understand each other better because we we, we, we are in very different 
regions of the world. Our challenges are different, but there's also so much we have in common. You did a very nice introduction about <laughs> the different things that are Austria. And we are a medium-sized country in the middle of Europe. So there's so many issues that, that we are busy with. So sometimes it's, it, it is, it's, I think you need to talk to your counterparts in, in, in faraway regions that are important to us also to better understand where they are coming from and vice versa. So in that sense, I think apart from trying to, to foster our economic ties, trade ties, do more in science, also culture and, and, and um, arts, I think also this bringing people together, trying to get more visits in both ways is, is one of my, my objectives here. It sounds like opening those channels of communications, connecting on a personal level and uh, cross-pollinating culture, are, it, it's like the glue which which delves into that, that connection. Can you expand on some of the more significant collaborations or, or projects that you're working on in the different markets? Um, sure. Regarding development cooperation, to start off with, we, we have a number of small grassroots, grassroots level projects that are coordinated by the embassy, but also regional projects, which I mentioned briefly before. There's a focus on the energy sector and also support for the interparliamentary forum of SADC. And there's also a big co cooperation program running with Mozambique. There's an Austrian development agency office in Maputo and has been there since the 90s. So, so this has been one focus, especially water, sanitation, agriculture. These are areas that, that, that we have been supporting in, in the province of Sofala for a long time. And there's also another project which is uh, in six countries in the Sadiq region, also South Africa, and it's um, called Soul Train. And it's about um, training and demonstration of solar thermal projects. Sounds a bit technical, but in the end, it's 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 a very uh, down to earth um, approach to training people from various backgrounds. It could be from companies, could be from universities, from institutions, on the latest technology in solar thermal, which which saves also a lot of energy. And this has been going on for over twelve years. When a time when it was not so so common yet, so it's in could be from from uh, hospitals to 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 breweries to university of which university has a as a solar thermal uh, installation now that was um conceived together with the solar program so i think there's some things that are not so much in the background but there's a lot going on and i think one more issue that has it's very strong in our um, cooperation programs is the advocacy for women's rights i think that's also something which is a cross-cutting issue uh, going through all our programs. And I think even in, on a small scale, like we did uh, support for the Kick for Life project in Lesotho, which is a very nice project supporting young young girls and, and women while training in the football pitch, also on that side. But also in, on a bigger scale, um, in, in the three-year program of the Austrian Development Cooperation, um, it's from 2022, 2020 to 2024. And I think 85% of all the measures that are financed by this cooperation uh, should directly or indirectly serve the objective of gender equality. So, for instance, there's prevention and, of and criminal prosecution. Uh, there are programs on gender-based violence in Southern Africa. So, together with UNODC, um, 
Austria has supported them in improving victim protection, for instance, during police and judicial proceedings in relation to gender-based violence. I think that's something we sometimes overlook. It's, very, it's also an important issue. So public prosecutors, judges and police officers receive training on how to preserve evidence, how to interrogate and be sensitive, sensitized to these uh, complex causes and effects of GPV. And also, for instance, in Namibia, there have been so-called one-stop centers, which ensure better access to counseling, support, and legal assistance for survivors. And also, I think that's something which has a longer-term effect. There's a SADC model law on gender-based violence, which we have supported when it was developed, because I think it helps also not every country has to invest a lot of uh, efforts to come up with their own laws, but they can see, okay, what's working in the region. Maybe this is something we can also also adopt. And I think we should also not forget that when we talk about women's issues, we also talk have to talk about men, men and boys. So I think there's been an an initiative, a network that's called Men Engage in Southern Africa, where they also try to 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 um work with local NGOs and to challenge patriarchal power structures and also in the public discourse and to address negative traditional or political practices that remote some form of GBV and to emphasize the importance of role models also on men for men and fathers as so-called agents of change. I think I stop now because it's a long list, but I think there's it's quite quite a lot of things that are going on even on smaller and medium sized scale. But I think it's 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 an important issue to raise. Yes, indeed. And there's such a, a, a diversity in everything that you're saying. And I think one of the beauties, I know you have this enormous portfolio, is that you can uh, transfer those learnings and some of those initiatives across to different countries because what they're doing to benefit one country will certainly benefit others on a scalable view. Very, very true. I think it, it, it works, especially because there's already a good um, regional integration happening here via SADC in, 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 in most of the countries. So I think this, this helps because there are meetings. So sometimes it's easier to go already to this SADC meetings to reach more, more, um, more players in, in the field. Yes. So we try to do this from a regional perspective, apart from the Mozambican program, which is a, la- a country program. You've had tremendous exposure across these different markets and you've shared with us some of the objectives, some of the work and collaborations that you're doing. What are some of the learnings that you hope to take away with you? Um, I've only been here now for a bit over a year in, in, in this part of the world in Southern in Southern Africa. So my learning curve is still very steep. Um, but it has been so far encounters with courageous people, especially women here in, in, in South Africa and beyond, which have had a big impact on my perceptions. Um, because there's so many challenges that people and women face here in their daily lives and pursuing their careers. But you still find very often the spirit of sisterhood, I think, and helping each other, which I find very moving and, and very important. I think this, I find it stronger than in other parts of the world. And also, I, I must say that it's um, there's strong women here. I've encountered already now. So even if we have a lot of issues, still, I think South Africa is is quite a, a strong uh, has a strong uh, women's um, rights movement and many many uh, strong women. So this has been something which which I've been very impressed with. And what would you say is the favorite part about your job? I think 
what I mentioned before about the human resources and people-to-people contacts, I think part of this diplomacy job is this reaching out, interacting with people of all backgrounds, from politicians to business people, to artists, scientists. And, and I think this makes our job always very exciting because you're always hearing uh, new um, versions of events, new information is coming to you and you try to bring it together, inform your capital, but also try to project, as you did at the beginning, very nicely, what is Austria? What does it mean to, to people here to, to give them also more information, also more a more personal take, apart from the professional take of, of, of the country, the region, I'm coming from, my team is coming from partly, and then just to, to, to engage more with each other. I think this is, 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 is this is my favorite part, but also we write the reports and we do all the rest. <laughs> That's necessary. Thank you, Ambassador, for sharing some of the insights into the work that you do and some of the initiatives and projects that are underway. You're listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and today we're talking to the Ambassador of Austria to South Africa, Angola, Botswana, Iswatini, Lesotho, Madagascar, Mauritius, Mozambique, Namibia, and Zimbabwe. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Ambassador, earlier you shared with us some of the initiatives that Austria is focusing on from a, a woman's point of view, especially in advocacy, looking at gender-based violence, etc. Gender equality is an ongoing struggle. Our former past president, Nelson Mandela, once said, freedom cannot be achieved unless the women have been emancipated from all forms of oppression. All of us take this on board and the objectives of the reconstruction and development program will not have been realized until we see in visible practical terms that the conditions of women in our country have radically changed for the better and that they have been empowered to intervene in all aspects of life as equals with any other member of society. In your position, you've experienced a multitude of cultures from different countries, what are some of the positive interventions you've seen in various countries that really promote gender equality? As is so often the case, uh, Nelson Mandela's words, they still carry a lot of weight. They still ring so true, even after after quite a number of years. And the, cha- the fight for gender equality is indeed an ongoing struggle. It is very positive to have this sense of togetherness among women I've experienced in many places I've been. And I think it's these role models of strong women that can have a positive impact on societies. We need role models and female leaders are important. Even in rather traditional societies where, where I've also been posted, it's been important to find these courageous women and to, to watch out also for the next generation to come, for the young women and girls. I think we, we need the role models, but we also need to make sure that the there is that that is not a single singular or a single uh, event, but that there is um, some systematic um, help and support for the for the new new generation of women and girls coming that they can also aspire to 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 become become um, leaders or whatever career they they aim for. Not everybody can be leaders. The same for men and women, but even in their own with in their own um, in their own sphere, I think it's important. To, to, to have role models. Very interesting insights and the fact of having the role modeling effect, but also nurturing the next generation so that they 
don't have to walk the same journey we've walked. They they get a step ahead. Hopefully. <laughs> As a female leader representing your country abroad, what are some of the leadership strategies that you've found to be most effective? I think reaching out to the young women and girls, as I, as I mentioned before, because to give them the chance to talk to you or, or women in similar positions to me, I think maybe a, a mentoring program as a mentor or and to have mentees, share your experiences, also to have even shadowing. I think you have different opportunities you could have just to for people to get a bit closer. Maybe they're shy, you know, especially girls tend maybe to, to be a bit shy, as we said at the beginning, but we don't want that. We want them to be able to ask questions directly, not go in a big maybe room where it's a bit awkward to, to ask direct questions. And then to share the experiences we've had, maybe also that it's possible to have a fulfilling job and a career in whatever sphere that might be. And also, still, you can have also family and, and kids if you want. I mean, it's it's. I think it's not easy by no means. but And we need help from family, institutions, friends, and network. And I think this is very important. I also that we should never make women feel guilty about the ways they've chosen. Not to feel guilty that they're not good mothers, not to feel guilty that they're not good bosses because they're also mothers or, or wives or whatever. I think we often sometimes, maybe it's my experience, but sometimes we tend to feel guilty, not good enough for certain things. And I think we need to tell them that this is fine what they're doing, that it cannot be perfect, but they will do their best. And I think this this is what men do in their jobs. I mean, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's not that they are perfect. I think a bit of this um, not blaming, we, we should not blame anybody and they should learn not to blame it on themselves. If something, some things don't go right, sometimes you are failures. It's also part of, of your growing and your career. I think this is something just to normalize it. I think to have such a career, it's nothing. Even if if you're you're a desk officer somewhere, you know, it's it's still your career. You come a long way, depending on one what your your game, what your aims are. And I think we should also try to project to to the young next generation that it's you shouldn't twist and and, and turn too much as a person. Try to be. It costs a lot of energy, and in the end, you don't come across as sincere. Whereas you should try to stay as as true to yourself as you can and still have confidence in, in, in your capabilities because usually they're very good with the, the, the young girls and women. It's so true. Everything that you've, you've just said there really, really resonates. And um, I, I, I hope people take, take heart and, and heed of what you're saying. Thinking about learnings from, from different environments, what are some of the types of gender policies that, that Austria has in place? Austria, um, their vote, the right to vote for women uh, was introduced when our monarchy came to an end. So when we started to have a republic in 1918, after the First World War, at that time, equal rights for women were introduced, well, not in all fields, but this is when it started. And also the we have now quite a good legal system. We have the in the in Austrian in our Austrian federal constitution, we have the equality of women and before the law and equality of men and women all enshrined there. There's also um, a Maternity Protection Act, which contains provisions on, now we, I call it maternity leave, but actually it's parental leave because it's come a long way since it was introduced. And that's quite interesting in Austria because we have up to two years of parental leave. Nowadays, you can only take the maximum if you share 
it used to be, uh, I mean, they try to put pressure on men to do more of the parental leave, but in, in practice, even if it's legally possible, I have to say that it's still mainly women that they take this uh, option because why it's it's quite uh, down to earth uh, decisions you know you look at the at a couple maybe the the man very often earns has a higher salary so and i think so if one goes into you still get some money in the parental leave but of course the one that earned more will get it's, it's the discrepancy is bigger so for for economic or financial reasons it's also and also the accept- Acceptance in society, it's changing, but it still takes time because, for instance, if you're like me, you work in the public domain, it's okay. I mean, your job will still be there. You have the right to come back. It's the same in the private industry, but of course, they have to keep a job, but they're only obliged to keep you for a few months. They cannot because, of course, if you're away for one year, it's sometimes the company takes on somebody else. They have to take you back. They take you back either to give you a different job or maybe after a while they can still lay you off. I mean... So in the end, I think we put the very good legal framework there, but the society itself still, you know, there's still the old patterns. No, they haven't disappeared. You know, it's a gradual process. I think what, but we see now, I also saw it in the ministry when I was the HR director that it's getting better and better. Young men are wanting, asking for this time with the, with the new, new kids and, and, and taking some time off. And we have also, we call it Papa month. It's a, the father month. So for, it's still, it was unpaid. I think they're trying to change that for a few weeks that the father could take their day off to be a, a day, a few weeks off to be with the baby. So I think they, they, there is a lot happening and the next generation, the young generation is, is also asking to have more shared, um, responsibility also for for young children but at the moment it's still dominantly even in austria where we have such a generous framework it's still more with with the women and it doesn't stop there because one issue is then you have kids and then you you have to go back if there is no institutions in place to work you work part-time which affects your career options of course and it also affects in the longer term your pension your pensions, you'll get a smaller pension if you have two, three kids and you stay at home and you always work part-time. So it's always a a question of, it's good to have all these options, but you really have to also see how does it affect your 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 lifelong um, opportunities and also the your, your when you're older, how you will, how, what is the money you will have? Will you still be in that partnership? You know, it's, it's very complicated. I think sometimes we live very much in the moment and then you see later on, question even in a in a fairly well-off country as austria the question of um of having uh, problems with poverty it, it it hits more women maybe after separation because they just didn't pay as much into the system as a man did so their pension is much lower they don't even have a pension at all so these kind of issues are even in austria where we think we've organized a lot still many issues that we 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 need to work on that it needs to improve there is also a federal act on protection against violence in the family and also um and since the 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 late 80s 1980s marital rape has been treated the same as non-marital rape under criminal law and so on and as uh, an act against stalking and so on. But I think still we have femicides already this year, quite a few. There is also gender-based violence. So I think we everywhere we need to work with 
with men. We need to work with the boys. There have to be institutions like safe houses for the women where when they feel that the relationship is not going well, because very often the it's from partners, ex-partners, or even in the family that violence is coming from. So it needs it needs a lot of attention and work everywhere. So the problems we're facing are 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 quite quite similar, I think, to to to, to this part of the world in, in this sense. When you started talking, I had my rose-tinted glasses on going, wow, enabling legislation, look at all these fantastic maternity benefits. And then you presented the reality check that quite simply, if you are not contributing to the economy, the economy is not going to contribute back to you. And you have to think about these things on a long-term basis. True. Ambassador, whilst we're on the topic of of Austria, can you uh, tell us about some of the women who you think have been important change agents or or trailblazers? Yes, of course. I think there's one woman, it's it's a while ago, (laughs) but still she's she's quite an icon. She's called Berta von Suttner. She was in the 19th century, imagine, a peace activist. And she and 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 also for women, she went in for women's rights, and she received uh, the I think she was the first woman that we've received a Peace Nobel Prize in 1905. So she's quite a, still a household name in Austria, but of course we we've moved on from there. There is also the the most recent um, Nobel Prize for literature in Austria for women. For women is Elfriede Jelinek. So she's a playwright and a novelist sometimes controversial, but she's wonderful with words and with the language. And she's been really, it's been a great honor. I think Austrians felt very proud that we have, we have, we could, that she, she received this very um, big prize. We also had our first um, minister for, for women affairs, um, Mrs. Donal. So she was, she was, um, she became minister and she really fought at that time very hard for, for all the, all these things that I mentioned, you know, needed to introduce, to be introduced, all this legal protection. And it was also step by step approach. Things don't come overnight. And she was, she was a, a very important, um, minister in our, in our, in our memory. So there's a, a lot of, um, strong women. Sometimes also things happen. I think that's also a bit typical. We have also, especially, um, after um there's a lot of um scientists sometimes like it's, she's not austrian like curie she's more known but there's also somebody called lisa meitner she was austrian later changed when she moved on to sweden she became also swedish national but you know she worked so much and she was so instrumental in in developing um the use of nuclear fusion and all this and it was of course somebody else she worked with who got the Nobel Prize for Physics and not her. And, you know, these these kind of uh, stories, we also have a lot. You know, have a lot of women who worked very hard, who, who put a lot of effort in, and sometimes it was not um, awarded in the same ways if they had been if they had been men. Mm-hmm. So it's both sides of the story, but we have, uh, we, we, we are proud of, of, of the strong women we, we, we have in Austria. They've certainly left landmarks, not just within Austria, but also impacting uh, on on other aspects of of the world. If I could only visit three places in Austria, where should I go? I think you need to go to the capital after all, Vienna. And Vienna is a very big city for a country of nine million as Austria is because we used to be a much bigger empire. So the city, Vienna is still an imperial city in the way it's been um, planned and the way it's developed. So there's a lot to see, museums. And and, and I think it's, it's something that shows you 
an important part of our history. So I think you should go to Vienna. But I think you should also make your way uh, to the mountains. <laughs> I mean, you could go either to Innsbruck, which is a very beautiful town, because you, you also to see a bit the... Or Salzburg, not only the city Salzburg is beautiful for music and everything, but also the surroundings. Because I think a lot of Austria, apart from the city life, is the rural life also. Maybe also a bit like here. You know, you'd really understand people. You have to reach out, go out of the urban centers and see, get a bit of the traditions. You know, if you have seen our Dirndl, because when you were researching the Austria uh, that you wanted to get to know, you see these traditional Dirndl dresses we have. And, and we still wear it in, in the countryside. You know, it's, it's so it's it's not not for all occasions, but it's it's very interesting to see. And I think something you might also like where I come from, it's the second largest town in Austria, it's called Graz. And the area south of Graz going towards Slovenia is um, is a very a wine growing area. So you might feel you're back home in, in the Western Cape or somewhere. It's 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 very beautiful hills and, and wines and the people are very welcoming and it's it's also a nice place to to go and visit. It used to be a very poor area actually before you see the small houses and they were having to do ac agriculture on very steep slopes. So it wasn't very rewarding at that time. Now it's very fashionable to go there, eat and drink wine. But at that time, so you could still see that people come from modest regions and how they had to fight for for a good life. Now it's a very beautiful area to to visit and learn about this part of Austria. Definitely putting that onto my bucket list. And skiing, of course. Sorry, you could do that in Tyrol <laughs> and in Salzburg. <laughs> yeah, all going on my bucket list. Thanks very much for for sharing, Ambassador. Ambassador. We're coming towards the end of the, the show now. And one of the questions that I ask all my guests is about some of the aspects of their, their personal journey in terms of factors of success. Some people talk about values, uh, a particular person in their life, uh, perseverance, discipline. In your opinion, what would you say have been some of your key drivers of success? Yeah, I think you mentioned a few. We we talked about a few already. I think you you have to work hard. <laughs> Nothing is just given to you. I think we, we all know that. We, we we work hard. But I think we also need to um reach out and establish networks of women and all can also be men, but also women. I think it's important that you don't walk alone because alone it's hard <laughs> because, you know, and, and, you know, I think that's something we can learn from men who've been doing this throughout the, their careers much better than we have. And we, and I think once you then have a partner and you start having a family, you don't forget these networks. I think it's very important. You still keep this contact to these people who helped you at the, when you were maybe still single and, and had more time, but still keep some time because later on you'll need them again. And if you never, you know, you don't get in contact for five, eight, 10 years, you lose friendships, and I think that's also something I would I would pass on to 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 young girls and and, and young women that value this 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 um the, the sisterhood that you have, especially strong here. I think this is this helps you a lot. I think. Can you share with us a few of the pivotal moments in your life as you were growing up? Um. My mother was a housewife when I when I grew up, although she was a trained cook. So already in my formative years, there was something she she passed on to me because I think sometimes when there were moments and when she felt she was not completely 
um, satisfied with things. I think she always told me how, it, how important it is to be financially independent. And I, even if I didn't think about it all the time, I think somehow it's in your system to think you want to stand on your own feet and have this financial independence. And I think to some degree, it's not possible for everybody in the same degree. I think this is something women should also try to strive for in whatever form they can because i think you don't know how life is going to treat you and this is something very something you have you've you've saved for yourself i think it, that's something important and also i i was quite a shy and very quiet girl in in school <laughs> so when i remember still when i did my oral exam i think it was like the metric here you know you also do an oral and 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 i spoke because you had to say something on this topic and later this teacher came up to me and said Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know you could speak you could speak so much. And, and I was a bit like, I was a bit embarrassed. And I thought maybe as if you had been a better teacher, you, you would have brought it out of me. But also in a way I felt proud. I thought, okay, I've shown him at the end that I could do it. And also later at university, there was one teacher, it was also a male teacher who, who wrote me a very nice note about your great uh, communicator and so on. And, and I think these messages that you get because we are not ever always so sure of ourselves, right? Even if we project, we are. And so the younger you are, the more difficult it is. Then I think if you get this message, somebody just saying in a nice way that, that this is great what you've done, I think it means so much. Because then you, you get this confidence in yourself to move on and not just stop where you are. And I think these, these little things that happen have always been um, have, have been very important for me. And lastly, as we close out our conversation today, can you share a few words of inspiration or, or learnings that you'd like to pass on to girls and women who are listening to us? I, I would say that look out for people that might serve as a role model for you or even support you on your path. Uh, work hard, but don't be too hard on yourself. Uh, because help others, but do not let anybody exploit you, because also that's something that helps, <laughs> happens to women a lot. Be proud of your achievements, but don't show off and don't feel bad asking for help, because you should not think you can do everything on your own without asking. And do not blame others when you fail. Failure is part of the way forward, how we learn. And don't stay out of the limelight, because there's somebody else, maybe a boy, that wants to be there so much. Be fair, but fight for your place. I think that's also very important that we learn to fight for our place in a nice way if we want. We don't have to be rude or, 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 but I think we still have to make a point and also try to have this network of friends, I said before, to support you and to invest in this network. I think that also helps you a lot in your life. Thank you very much for sharing those valuable words of advice that everybody can easily enact. It's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much. It has been great for me. Thank you. You have been listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, and we have been talking to Ambassador Romana Konigsbrun, who is the Ambassador of Austria to South Africa, Angola, Botswana, Iswatini, Lesotho, Madagascar, Mauritius, Mozambique, Libya, and Zimbabwe.